This episode is sponsored by Furniture Box. Check them out in the description below. Thanks for coming on. Um, it's really, yeah, really excited to have you. Um, I suppose just before we go into the kind of the story and sort of where you are today, it'd be helpful really just to get a bit of an idea of kind of your background. Um, yeah, so I was um, uh, I started attending about seven years ago now, 2016. Yeah. Uh, and before that, from a work perspective, I was I started at Unilever. So I always had my like always into marketing. I I like kind of creating things. Um, then I realized quite quickly that it was more management than creating things at Unilever. So I moved to um, uh, MTV, mm-hmm. uh, which was still cool at the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I had a t- great time at Unilever, by the way, as well. But you know, a lot of my friends are still from there. And uh, okay, um, but MTV was just really cool as well. I think what was nice there is it was just when the social media st- stuff started kicking off. So it was okay. like before Facebook was around and we had this local social media platform in the Netherlands right. that I was responsible for uh, together with one other. And then I remember Facebook coming and I was like, oh, this could be quite big. And then it kind of just blew us <laughs> away, and as as did YouTube with yeah. MTV. I yeah. Mean, you guys probably still kind of remember the MTV times. So I, I definitely do. do. MTV it, Cribs springs to mind. Yeah, exactly. Kind of, yeah, yeah, number one TV show. And I remember the time before YouTube was bought by Google. And I remember distinctly, I, can't, I think I was in year eight or year nine. And my friend said, oh, you've got to see this video online. There's this thing called YouTube. And I said, no, Google video is what you should use. And he went, no, no, this YouTube thing's really good. And I was yeah. like, mate, this is Google, all right? <laughs> Where's this YouTube thing going to yeah, be in yeah, a few yeah. years? And here we are. Hey, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Another savvy business decision. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. good. But it was like, it, before that, you would like, go, oh, have you seen this new video from yeah. whatever, Nirvana? And yeah. You'd, and you just watch MZH for a week to see it come by once. Yeah. And then of course YouTube made that just kind of redundant every mm. night. And it was quite funny because then it was, you know, MTV started doing all the kind of they were really ahead of the curve and the, you know, all the well, big brothers and, you know, I was actually there, you know, remember MTV real life. Mm. So they did all that kind of stuff. But then people were complaining, like, why don't you show the music anymore? Well, mm. said, well, if you'd watch the music, we would show more of it, but you're not watching it anymore. So that was a, it was a very, very interesting experience. And I learned a lot on the, for the media side and mm. the, the content side and, I bet. Uh, so, and the social side. And then uh, moved to Red Bull, where yeah. I was for eight years. I was uh, head of marketing for the Netherlands and then for Europe and then for the UK. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So you're a sort of seasoned marketeer. Yeah. If you yeah. Like. And I, I've always liked the. Uh, yeah, more like, like the create, like not making an ad, mm. but like doing something that is mm. like nice for people and relevant for people. Like events, I've always found really okay. interesting. And, yeah. Um, okay. I was going to say, so from what I understand from your time at Red Bull, you were quite sort of important and significant in the process of taking it from just a drinks business to more of a media company. Can you sort of touch on that a little bit? Um, yeah, so the cool thing, of course, I had like, you know, um, my FMCG background with Unilever and then the content side of MTV. And when I joined Red Bull, there was, no, YouTube wasn't, or like, I didn't think YouTube, I, although I say MTV was ruined by YouTube, I didn't think YouTube was actually even around mm. by the time, uh, when did YouTube launch? Was it like, was oh, it six? Two or six. Probably. Yeah, so. Something around that. Yeah, yeah so they were either were not j- there or not, I don't think they were there yet. Um, and then, you know, what was cool about Red Bull, I, like, I was just there. I can't say I initiated that process or anything, but I was part of that amazing journey mm-hmm. to go through from like an energy drinks um, business to like a pure content business that it is also today. Um, and the good thing, the cool thing about Red Bull was is that they already did quite a lot. Of course, they had all their events already. So and when the content thing became a thing, 
because of YouTube and all the mm. kind of pl content platforms and the Facebooks and everything, they were already doing a lot of stuff that you all essentially had to like put a camera on. Mm. Uh, so that's one of the reasons they were also so well ahead of the curve. Okay. Yeah. And so where did the idea of Tenzing come from then? Um, Speaking of which, I'm actually just going to crack crack. Go for it. Yeah. yeah. What flavor is it you've got? I've got uh, pineapple and passion fruit. Nice. And it's 100% plant-based, which obviously I endorse. That's just so you are. quite yeah. a fan of that. Yeah. Um, yeah very so, cool uh, design, by the way, if I can. Oh. This is not product placement, by the way. <laughs> we were not paid to say this, but this that is very cool. Yeah. Well, so, thank you. Thank you. Cheers. Um, I think it was... A, so also, actually, I forgot to say in my... Uh, uh, I, I launched it own... Sorry, that's really good. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> really that's awkward. Great. You turned around and said the opposite. <laughs> no, but I had... I, <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't have to stay silent. Sorry, yeah, yeah. please. No, no, no. You talk, tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> How great is it? Yeah. No, it's yeah. really it's really, like, refreshing. Yeah. Like, yeah. it doesn't... Like, I wouldn't... If you didn't tell me this was an energy drink, I would not think this no. is an energy drink. I'm going to try mine. Yeah. Which I like. I'm very... In general, I'm quite anti-energy drinks. Yeah. Because you know, they're just so unhealthy for you. Well, yeah, yeah but that's sort of the thing. <laughs> now it sounds like we're doing a sponsor. It does, it really but does. But there's got to be another way, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. But this this doesn't, this feels like, um, it's sort of like the equivalent of um, drinking something. Right. That really is actually delicious. Yeah, I want to try a bit of yours You after. should. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's sort of like the equivalent of drinking something like a hard seltzer if you're drinking alcohol compared to wow. drinking like a beer. It's like, yeah. it's like the equivalent of that. Like that doesn't feel like, I'm not, I didn't sip that and go, okay, that's probably messing me up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. true. Right. No, if it tastes clean. Mm. It tastes clean. Yeah. I love that. Wow. Oh, cool. Well, thank you very much. Wow. No, no, sorry. Side so, side so, note. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Um, so yeah, where did the where did the idea come from? Well, uh, so I actually forgot one bit in my working life was that I started my own business during my uh, other work. Okay. Which was uh, I thought I started a fashion business. Started at the bottom with socks. Okay. And it was like also at the beginning of the internet. And I thought, okay, what is a fashion item that people don't need to? Now, of course, that's all mm, normal. Yeah. But you would, back in the day, you wouldn't go, oh, I'm just going to buy some pants and never try them on. Yeah. Mm. So I thought, what's an item that you can actually, you know, put through the mail? You don't, we wouldn't try it. It was a sock. So, and I, at the, you know, I thought, and it was also, I still remember when I was young, you know, there was these boxer shorts were always like, you could get them for like, two pounds and then like marky mark i don't you know yeah yeah yeah. yeah calvin yeah klein. the calvin klein the yeah, calvin yeah, yeah. Klein stuff came along and i was like now people buying boxer shorts for like 50 quid yeah, yeah. and you don't really see a boxer that much and i think a sock but the sock had not been revolutionized so that's what mm. i set myself out to do i was going to revolutionize the sock online business you can send it through the mail and it was quite a nice concept it was like uh it was a doctor that would prescribe you a sock so you do an online a psychological test. Oh, cool. Uh, it was like, you sh I showed you like a carrot and said, what do you see? And like, you know, it's so yeah, awesome. yeah. And then at the end of this whole thing, it would prescribe you a sock. <laughs> and it was really nice in a doctor's little thing with a little prescription note. It said, wear once daily with clothes. Okay, you know, right. Yeah, yeah. So it was quite, and, um, and it was actually before Happy Socks was even around. Right, okay. But then I just, then I just, got my job at Red Bull and I really enjoyed that so I thought okay well let's just uh, sell that and I didn't not that I earned any money I just didn't make any loss which is quite I thought a good okay. thing for that's a, a good, first uh, yeah, venture exactly yeah, yeah for a first venture and a, still socks I still wear those socks to this day interesting um, so um, but what I, I learned a lot from that is that um, you know is you have to do a business that you know a lot about uh, I, I at least thought so you, because I didn't know anything really about fashion or mm -hmm. online business. The concept I think was spot on, mm. but I didn't really know a lot about it. And then secondly, I also, you have to do something that you enjoy doing. So I loved making that brand. Like that's what I'm talking passionately about. Yeah. We did a, a socks only fashion show on the Amsterdam International Fashion okay. Week with 
models wearing only socks got a lot of press. Only I socks, bet. yeah, yeah. yeah I bet. Um, and um, you know, so I love that. But then after it was launched, it was very kind of uh, operational. Mm. So it's like the websites had to keep going. It was also before like you had all these agencies that would do the fulfillment for you. I'm with you. You needed like a minimum. Like Fifty thousand socks. So we, yeah. me and my girlfriend at the time, we were like, you know, folding these socks ourselves into these packaging, writing those notes. And after a while, it gets kind of, you know. So I didn't really enjoy the business running a socks business that much. Mm. Okay. And thirdly, I learned like you have to go all in. Like I did next to the job. You know, I was like, you know, do this on the side, and you can't do those things. So, but I did get my like bug for starting something going. That's interesting, actually. Just just picking up on that point, why do you think you can't run a business alongside a full time job? Because there are some people that may disagree with that that have built kind of successful businesses. Yeah, well, that's you a very good question then. because I actually, by that mean psychological, you have to go all in. Okay, but don't go all in financially because I also did that. You know, you probably wrote Chew Dog. Yes, you know, yeah, yeah. one of my favorite books. Yeah, uh, very good. And you know, he was an accountant for ten years, yeah. and I think I think they've even have a stat out that if you have a normal job while launching your business, you're more likely to be successful. But I just felt at the time, if I look back at it, and I, I felt at the time I didn't really go all in. I was like enjoying my normal jobs too much, like mm. my time job at MTV, job at Red Bull. So I was never right, going to stop that to do this. So I didn't go all in from a this is my dream. Okay. I'm gonna you know, so it's more like a mental go all in, but yeah. still stay like, you know financially responsible. Financially yeah. responsible and yeah. Um yeah. So can I, can I just ask based on what you said a second ago, um I thought it was interesting when you mentioned the point about with the SOC company, how eventually it became sort of more of a burden than, yeah. than an enjoyment um situation. What is it that's different about running a company like Tenzing in terms of surely those operational issues and the kind of burdens of making sure there are sort of product orders and minimum order quantities and things like that. Surely you have those same burdens. So what's the difference between those two situations? Yeah, it's a very good question actually because yeah, it was super painful at mm. Tenzing as well. But I think it's the commitment thing. Mm. It's like I believe in all my being that it should be possible and it should be a thing to drink, to get energy from plants and not to have to, you know, have artificial ingredients or loads of sugar or be marketed by carbon guzzling stunts, mm. you know. So I just believe that more in my whole system. And I thought, and I also love, I, there is an element of loving what you do because like I knew in the beginning, like if we would get bigger in the beginning, we didn't do a lot of that. But in the beginning we did like have a trip to like Himalayas and, you know, cause I, I love the, I love the climbing or mm. mountaineering, like hiking and I love surfing. So I loved all the aspects that were tied to energy. Mm. Uh, well, I, you know, it sucks. It's not, you know, it just wasn't as, sure. so I think you have to have something that really keeps you going. Also the sustainability angle at Tenzing, I was really keen on that one. And we actually did it for a charity as well with the socks, but I was just not as connected with that emotionally that I was with Tenzing. So I think it's a, yeah, it's a difference of like, I'm really want to want to make this happen and like mm. do something that you can't go back on there. Mm. Totally. Yeah. So if we go back to, back to the very beginning of Tenzing, you're working at Red Bull, you have the idea, how does the idea come about? Um, and then what makes you think about actually pursuing it? Um, yeah, so I was like, also, I think I kind of, I left Red Bull and I, I'd been there for eight years and I've always, you know, to be honest, great colleagues and a great brand, but I'd come disenchanted with the product a bit. And, uh, you know, so I thought, okay, 
So I left and I thought, I actually, it wasn't like a clear cut, I'm going to start my own business then. It was a bit like, should I work for another company? Should I start my own consultancy, whatever? Mm -hmm. But actually quite clearly and soon I found out, no, this is what I want to do. And it, you know, it, it came back. So the whole, the very beginning concept was, and it still is, you know, energy that's plant-based, low calorie and sustainable, you know, yeah. let's go find if that's possible. How would that look? How would that taste? Mm. Um, and that, that was the beginning. So what's the very first step? So you have the idea, because I think for anyone that might think about having a product-based business, I think the hardest question is, I said, the hardest question is probably capital. But second to that, the hardest question is, I don't even know where to start. I mean, yeah. if I was to start a, you know, a, a Coke-based drink, I would have no idea how to go about doing that. So no. how did you know what to do and where to go? Um, so there was a two-step approach. Uh, sounds really calculated now, but that was like, <laughs> <coughs> just like the thing to, um, yeah. so first of all, obviously it's like, I had a job that brought money in yeah, uh, and then I didn't. So it was like, okay, so my wife and I had small children at the time living in London, not the cheapest place to live. Mm -hmm. So it was like, okay, for, I made a whole, and so I said to my wife, I said, like, I want to do this. And she was like, I don't think so in the in first instance. And I said, like, give me a month. And I like I built the business plan a bit, um, and also also looked at our financial situation. <clears throat> I said, okay, what are all the things that we have to stop doing? We had to, we had to move to a smaller house, all that kind of stuff. And um, uh, and then I remember presenting to her, and she and I remember her words really well. She was like, "This could work." That was a mm. and she's also actually kind of in the marketing business space. Right. So yeah, getting yeah. her uh, validation was the first kind of little sure. important moment, sure. and then but we did have to move house, all that stuff. So uh, big and commitment then, then from day one. It was yeah 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 exactly, and like we had to give up our gym membership, and yeah. then we had to really literally like see mm. what's the money coming in. What's the, and, and assuming I wouldn't get any salary for like two three years. She must have really believed in you then. To, I mean, to commit, it's one thing to say, hey, you know, give it a go. And if it yeah. works, it works. Another thing to be like, hey, my quality of life is now going to have to yep. take a hit for who knows how mm -hmm. long. Um, yeah, it's a big commitment. Work. It's a really mm -hmm. big commitment. That's, that's quite it's a Yeah, a testament to the relationship, definitely. For sure. Definitely. And you need that kind of, you know, commitment, right? Especially mm. if you're alone, it doesn't matter. But I think it really has helped me. Also, it's actually funny of having kind of young kids, because I've worked for home, from home for about a year and a half. Just building the concept and everything, launching it, and just having that. It's so much, so doubtful all the time. And I'd like, you know, I'd, I'd go have a Tesco meeting, and I'd ask my kids, like, "Would you still love me if this doesn't go ahead?" And they'd be like, "We're five at the time." So they, <laughs> yeah. Yes, we would, Daddy. Yeah, that yeah. kind of works. Yeah. <clears throat> so that was the first step. Get get buy in. Yeah. From the most important person, um, and then I remember that was the kind of little, little cool moment where I, I remember sitting down. I was like, "Okay, so this is now going to happen." And actually, what I did was I Googled mistakes people make when they launch an own business. How interesting. Yeah. That's an interesting place to start. That's okay. it. Yeah, and yeah. it was a really good place to start. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because yeah. what came up was this Harvard Business Review article, and it was about effectively the minimum viable product theory, mm. but that was used a lot in digital products, you know, but not so much in, like, you know, real-life products. So what they all said, and they had, which was really good as well, they interviewed people that made it, but also in people that didn't make it, which I think is a way better place to start. I would add that, I would interview those. 
literally, uh, Ben Corrigan, one of our previous guests, um, he went on Dragon's Den. He got all five offers, built a great company. Um, but he he's often said, when I told him about the idea of this podcast um, before we'd launched, he said, you know, I've always been interested in the idea of like hearing from people whose businesses failed. Yeah. Because that, that's You learn so, a lot. Because yeah, yeah. you learn more from your failures. And he's, he's said that for years. So that really is just hearing you should you, do, that. you know why? It's, it's also actually the answer is really simple why you learn more from them. Because if you launch a business and it goes well, you never really know why it goes well. Yeah. Yes, it that's is that's like, a piece of inside knowledge. Right? It's, yeah. it's like it's all yeah. these things that you do, and then you keep sure. going at it. Yeah, and then, sure. But if it goes wrong, it's usually one reason. Yeah, 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 yeah. you know. So, and then you could at least tell other people, "Don't do that." Yeah, I mean, you look at someone like you know, I don't know, in music, like Ed Sheeran was busking, I think, every day yeah. for like at least a year, yeah. every single day. Yeah, that's very different to you know a teen pop star getting signed by a label, having a summer single that goes to number one and then never being heard of again. Yeah, true. Yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah, true. Absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and so I Googled that and then it said, look, go to validate your product, validate your product, which again, like you argue is nothing new, but also for in my aspect, would I, so again, and then actually, because people always think, oh, it's so hard to create the product, but actually that's the relatively, you know, what I also found was interesting is that when you're at a big company, you get a meeting with everyone, right? Because you could just go, look, you know, whatever. I had a massive budgets, mm. huge teams. I was like, get me a meeting with the head of Sky Sport, whatever. I knew they'd come to my office with it. And now, and then, so what's interesting there from a psychological point of view, you don't need anyone. Effectively, really, that's true, mm. right? Yeah. Um, and then as soon as you start for your business, you need people. And I think that is also such a great thing to have. You need other people. That's your more a natural state, actually. Yeah. And I, I, so I thought the the process was really like humbling in a beautiful way because also I didn't have any image around like go to the bar and say oh, I work there. Or, yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I signed that athlete or I did this and that. I was just like, what do you do? Like, nothing really. <laughs> I'm working on this thing, and it was more painful than I would I would have thought emotionally actually. But also you need those people, and then you but then and they and people are willing to help. So I like, you know, I was just looking for, I, I, I spoke to professors and doctors, like, what do you, because the cool thing, if you launch something new, because like, let's say an energy drink or a Coca-Cola, these were launched hundreds of years ago, mm. right? or energy drink 30 years ago. So back in, then they had different signs, different habits, different things were important. And the, and the good thing is that, let's say Coca-Cola, they want, if you could, if you could ask the CEO of Coca-Cola, would you rather make your Coca-Cola healthy, uh, and you wouldn't lose any business. What do you, what would he say? Oh, yeah. Of course, yeah. he'd say yeah, yes, yeah. but he can't because he's stuck with this product that yeah. people like and is full of sugar or full of aspartame. Mm. You know, yeah. yeah, yeah so, yeah. and then when you start again, you go, look, I'm going to start from scratch. Like, what is important now? Like, all these artificial sweeteners were getting a lot of bad press. No one cared about artificial sweeteners 30 years ago. Uh, so you could just start again, and that's the cool thing. You know, like you start, you, you speak to all these people. Uh, you know, also like how much caffeine do you actually need? How much sugar do you actually need? So sugar was actually a big topic. Yeah, for me, uh, actually, it was even before the sugar tax was around. Right. I mean, it was already kind of a topic, but for me, it was like how much do you actually need um, for energy as opposed to f taste. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I know I'm going a bit off topic now. No, no, please. But. But I thought that was a really interesting one because, you know, you go, because every drink in the market is got 11% sugar in it. So whether it's an orange juice, an apple juice, a Coke, a Red Bull, 11% sugar. 
so you almost it, don't want to know the figures oh no, no so I, I tried to cut out sugar at one point yeah. i've i've seen so many sort of i've read studies on how bad sugar is and watched plenty yeah. of videos on it it's it's in everything at yeah. one point i tried to say i'm gonna quit sugar for a week and i went to a, one i think tesco sainsbury's i tried to buy like a salad pot or something even that had sugar in yeah. it. it it's in everything yeah, yeah. It, yeah. So you're absolutely right. It's but I'm talking about drinks in specific yeah. here. That they all have 11. percent So if the if you take the sugar out, all the artificial sweeteners are brought to that level, mm-hmm. the level that we're have become accustomed to. So when I thought I found out through my the doctors and nutritionists, what you need is about four and a half percent sugar because that's the same as your blood sugar levels. Right. So you don't get that spike and the crash. Yeah. So you get enough energy. So if there's nothing in there and you have sweeteners, your body thinks it's getting sugar, but it's actually not. So you get this insulin spike and blah, blah, blah. So the, the perfect amount for it. So sugar is not bad. You need sugar. So the, the doctor I worked with was really cool. He said, look, if you go on an IV drip and they don't put a bit of sugar and salt in there, that 4.5%, you will die. Wow. So, so okay. you just need sugar, yeah, yeah. but you don't need that much. What like the monsters have in there is just for flavor, not mm. for effect. Yeah. Um, so those are kind of things in the product thing you can just find out, like you just by Googling, by speaking to people. But this article said... Uh, go to market, validate the products. So what I did, I thought, okay, in the beginning, I thought I want to go into like the like the gym, bouldering space. I want to go to like offices. I don't want to go to universities. <coughs> Sorry. And um, so what I did, I just went to these. I went to the Google office, yeah. for instance, and I had my little bottles, all these different flavors. I had my name, but I had like a little like different kind of designs. Yeah. And um, and I just said, look. I love your, I got a meeting through friends or whatever. And I said, I want to launch this product, but I just love your input. Like, would you sell a thing like this? Which flavor do you like? Which design do you like? And then what happens is you don't sell it to them. You actually ask for their opinion. Yeah. And everyone then gives their opinion. And, and they all said, we'll take this. Yeah. 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 Um, so looking back, I should have done that way more. This is more to validate my product. Okay. And then I thought, this is going to be super easy. I then made the product, went to market with it, and no one wanted it anymore because then you go into the selling mode. Yeah. So that would be my big tip. Just go to market because the the whole saying of everyone thinks their own baby is the most beautiful baby. Yeah. If you've co-created this thing, actually, you don't have to fake it. You can go like, oh, I remember someone said, I didn't think the design is natural enough. And it's also really cool, the idea of like, going to someone saying, hey, what do you think of this? Yeah. Knowing, in at least in your head, it's a great product. If you genuinely are adding value to people, if you go to someone and say, hey, try this, and they try it and they like it, they are just going to want it. Yeah. yeah. And that's a, and as you said, that's a customer that you've got without having to sell. Exactly. Um, it's, I, it's like you don't like, you don't, no one likes being sold to. Right. No. But everyone likes giving advice. Yeah, yeah, of course. On, um, um, on branding, I wanted to ask, um, I wanted to touch on something you said a second ago, which is obviously all of these drinks have an 11% sugar level and things like that. And we touched on how obviously the opinion everyone has about energy drinks being really bad for you, really unhealthy um, and filled with sugar. And as I said to you, I think it was before we went on air, um, I, I don't drink energy drinks. I've never liked them. I, I used to drink them when I was younger, but again, for that thing of, I know there's a lot of shit in them. Yeah. Um, and I'm actually, by the way, really happy that I got to try attending for the first time on air because I didn't want to have a biased opinion. And this is actually really nice and it is really refreshing. And I'm mm-hmm. not just saying that. So what I'm curious about is in this industry, how do you shake the stigma for people like me if i wasn't interviewing you i don't know if i would have tried tenzing because i would have heard energy drink and immediately switched off yeah so how do you shake that aside from just listing the fact that it's plant-based and it's it's refreshing Uh, you know if only i knew converting the unconverted (laughs) yeah (laughs) um so 
Well, it's also, I think if you want to start your own business, I think it's crucial that you're extremely naive mm. <laughs> because it's so much tougher than you think. Mm. And I actually thought, because I knew kind of, I knew there was worries. I was in this industry for a long time. So I knew that people thought, oh, I worry about the artificial. Like, exactly. Like you said, it wasn't any rocket science. People know that you could find that out if you weren't in the industry. It was like, that was like readily available data. People worry and they worry about the artificial side and the high sugar. So I thought, super easy. I launched this plant-based, low-calorie. People lap it up. But it doesn't work that way. So you launch it. People don't get it. It's like yourself, right? Yeah. You might have read about it before. You still wouldn't try it. So it's really... Well, you don't believe it. You think well, it, you might, it must be a catch. It. There's yeah. something they'll use to make it, you know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it just... And I think that's kind of another really important bit. Just take... It takes time. You know, it's that classic thing about, you know, what's how what's the most likelihood of you getting solar panels on your roof is when your neighbor has them, mm. right? Because then you see them up there, mm. you feel a bit messed out. Like some validation, I suppose. Some validation, social proof, yeah. some social proof. So again, and that's the thing why you've got to stick it out because the more we sell, the more more people drink us, the more people will drink us, you know? Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. it's just, that it's also partly like, that's why you have to have that long runway. If every time I speak to a, you know, a, someone who goes, oh yeah, I'm launching a business, I want to do an exit in two years, I'm like, you know, never going to work good luck yeah you've always got these anomalies or like oh yeah that's scaled so quickly and but usually they've been going like oatly is a great example mm. right they were they launched in the 80s or the 90s yeah and, uh, and only till they rebranded and like veganism became way mm. bigger and they rode that wave extremely well but it was, like, it was already 20 years they've been you know making that product perfect and mm. so it just takes a lot of time to do that and then i think you just chip it well like i remember in the beginning also, what I did, I try to get through my network. I try to speak to as many people as I possibly could, doing what you're effectively doing now, mm. uh, and asking. Like, I got my my biggest meeting was with Richard Reed from Innocent, right? Okay, and uh, and also I asked them all the same, "What's the silver bullet?" And all, none of them had one. Yeah, you know, there is not one silver bullet. Um, but you know, you can learn from people, of course. Uh, you know what they've done, what they didn't do, definitely. Um, but it's like it's. But one thing I would say is like, yeah, you have to like see it as a long thing, and also that's why you have to enjoy the journey. Mm. You know, I've sure. always believed that it's not going to get better. It's not going to get better if we have if we're twice the size. Mm. I love it now. Yeah. To be honest, I'm nearly in this phase. It's like I love this phase. You know, so yeah, 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 yeah. so I want to like get out of that again and grow because obviously it's crucial to keep growing. Hey guys, I just wanted to take a second to talk about our sponsor for this episode, Furniture Box. Furniture Box is an online furniture retailer that makes awesome products for everywhere from your bedroom to your office. Now we actually had Monty and Dan, the co-founders on our show. That's how we met. We loved their story and we hung out with them afterwards and we knew that we wanted to work with them. And here's the thing. One of the biggest issues I have whenever I've ordered furniture in the past is that certain big name furniture companies, not naming any names, will charge you a fairly large fee for delivery. And even then that delivery usually takes a few days, if not longer. With Furniture Box, not only do they offer free next day delivery, but they're now planning on extending their delivery cutoff even more so that you can literally order a dining set as late as 8 p.m. and be eating dinner on it the next day. So to put it simply, there's no one in the UK furniture scene that's doing anything like what they're doing. And we're thrilled to have them as our sponsor so click the link in the show notes and check them out now back to the episode do you remember your first sale yeah well that was google that was the first yeah oh that's so cool yeah because i remember also i I remember looking going into the mirror 
going to the bathroom afterwards and looking at my face and I looked so happy, like <laughs> as happy as I heard when I got twins. So they're like, you know, they look at the, my wife's and then there's, oh, there's two of them. Yeah. yeah. That's the, nearly the level yeah, of happy. Yeah. You, found, you found out, really, at that moment? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's crazy. So, um, you know, so you, you go like, oh my God, because I think in the beginning, it's so tough because you're constantly worried about, will it work? Will it work? You know, have I done those? Yeah. Your image is also on the line. Yeah, I think yeah. that's also a key thing that people don't really talk about that much. I'm like, oh, all this money. But to be honest, I was like, I was being very diligent with my cash. That's mm. one of the things my wife, Cindy, said, like, we're not going to lose, we don't want to lose a lot. Of, like, this is the amount where you can borrow and that's it, right? Have clear things that, what's the maximum amount so we're allowed to lose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how much was that out of interest? <clears throat> um, well, obviously there was like the the lost salary. Yeah. Which, you know, which I didn't quantify just sure. to, for, <laughs> for the, <laughs> yeah. not feeling that pain as much. Yeah. But yeah, that's quite, you know, yeah, significant. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Um, well, like if you could take that over three years, and then I kind of did a I borrowed about 125. Okay, and was that your wow. initial startup? <clears throat> yeah, that was, and I just did, and I wrote a book actually called The Social Brand, and I did a lot of talks, uh, you know, for businesses, and I put that money directly into Tenzik. So that was actually okay. my like side gig, and what was good about that is that you just do that, and from a Tenzik perspective, so all the losses you make, you know, you just so you don't like pay yourself and put that into the business. I did that from a Tenzing perspective, right? So okay, I'm with you. Um, yeah, so that that was that just helped us go for like three years without getting yeah. funding in okay. and, and, and validate the business. So we already launched in Tesco after we got, only then did we get like our funding round because we were like, you know, we, we already proved the case. Sure. And just before, so before you went to Google um, to get the sort of validation for the products and after you'd spoken to the nutritionists, mm. there was obviously that gap where you had to come up with the formula and actually make make the product. Yeah. How did you go about doing that? Well, again, like, you know, that's, so what we, so you go, you just talk to all these, like, what is going to be that perfect? So actually, in, interesting, the, our, um, so I'd already decided on, I already found the nutritionist, I decided on, um, uh, you know, the plant-based bit, and I already, like, the sugar levels, and then I went traveling with the family, and then we were in Asia, and I, I discovered what, like, what they drink in the Himalayas, so they drink this really strong tea with salt, and um and a, and a lemon tea and i really noticed it worked and then i called my nutritionist is that is this like you know what is this and why does it why do i do i feel this is the placebo or is it something here and he said yeah that's a like a, a triple hit of natural caffeine vitamin c and electrolytes that then also became the basics of our recipe okay um and then i immediately thought uh of the tenzing name so i don't know if you know it's based on uh tenzing norgay was the first man on mount everest right together with edmund hillary and uh, I just immediately, because my dad was always a huge Tenzing fan. I think my dad was probably like um, seven or eight when he climbed Everest in 1953. And it was the most, my dad was always, a, you know, a big like underdog. It was like probably the most, the biggest story that I know of, of for coming from very little to actually reach the top of the world. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he didn't even know exactly where he was born or how old he was, you know, you know and then it was like in the, in the 50s, it was all like, you know, it was like the British and the Swiss and they're all trying to get on there first. And the fact that he was from there and he said, I want to be on the top and, and he made it. It's just incredible. Yeah, impressive. Yeah, so and I always, you know, remember that story from my dad and then I thought, oh, then just like Tenzing came to me. It was available because it's always very hard to find a name. Of course. Every entrepreneur, I think, or artist has gone through the domain name process Definitely. of... Uh, a domain name. Oh, oh, the domain's free. Oh, but it's taken 
on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but it's free on but Twitter, by, but by it's nobody. taken on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, that I let by a, a faceless account. Yeah, literally. No followers. Okay. Yeah. Give us the username. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. But uh, no, I mean, the, I let that go immediately because domain names, that was even, but just like the trademark. The yeah, trademark. yeah, yeah. Or you you got to think in the drink space, it's the same trademark as beer, juices, all soft drinks, all energy drinks. So, and I wanted, I always thought, I thought start small, but the, the principle of like, why couldn't it be a global brand? Mm-hmm. So I wanted to have the European and the American trademark, which imagine all the names gone globally in those categories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, imagine. and then this thing came, it was actually a moment. Uh, that was my, probably one of my most nearly spiritual moments because it, it's one of those annoying, like finding a name, mm. I thought up to that point was just annoying. Because yeah, the the ingredient, like I said, the ingredient process was cool. I speak to doctors, finding a name, like, you know, she's got everything was gone, everything I had was gone, and then this came to me, and then it was available, and it was like like it really meant to be. It was really felt <laughs> yeah. like meant to be, and then I, at the trademark, I said, "Do I need permission from the?" Because he'd passed away, of course, and said, uh, so "Do I need permission from the family?" And and they go, and he go, they went, "No, you don't," because uh, you know it's a very normal name there. So like say someone from India or Nepal would call their drink John. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I was like, I want, and he's like, maybe best not to because it might be a PR risk or whatever. And I'm like, no, I'm going. And I want to find. I'm going to find them and I want to get their permission. I'm so glad you said that because I wasn't going to be the guy that's like he probably should have got it. That's yeah, great. That you but it, but it's like it's amazing how many Tenzing brands because I have uh, in this category. There's a lot of Tenzing brands out there that never asked their permission. Okay. Wow. So I I went there and my fam and it was it wasn't very hard to find because they're just on Google. So not that I went. It's not the family story. <laughs> I went there. I traveled. Yeah. I've got this image Where, of him in like the Himalayas with like snow goggles and just like hiking <laughs> no, 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 no. a Netflix documentary in the making yeah. yeah they're you know obviously you know they're actually a very you know successful family in their own right and you know they were really happy that I you know reached out because there was like yeah they said well not a lot none of them do mm-hmm. and we got a partnership going and that's uh, awesome. cool yeah we work together now we still speak to each other it's coming to uh, the 70th anniversary this year of Himalaya, uh, Everest climb so jumbling the sun that i speak to most he's coming to london as well oh wow yeah so you know that's one of those beautiful things of starting your business you never know i never dreamed of yeah. going there and meeting them with sure you know, extremely inspiring people he climbed everest a couple of times as well wow wow uh, he was actually on the remember the 1996 horrible what the movie was made of as well into thin air the book no anyway so yeah he was he was on the trip after that so he's like got, but yeah. you mean no not touching the void is that something different no that's no it's different it's a yeah. different it's a it's a movie's called everest i think right okay. but like, a lot of people you know passed away and he was like on the trip right. afterwards but you know. wow anyway so but, but he's um yeah super inspiring guy that's a lovely backstory yeah, yeah really nice. um in terms of the uh initial startup capital do you remember how you divided it up so kind of like what amount you put into things like making product what amount you put into branding marketing advertising that kind of stuff yeah so and could you have started with less actually just as a follow-on question oh great question yeah no not you know you mean 100 no because the thing is uh, in my 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 side of the business of my kind of business the biggest chunk of money was needed to make the product Mm. because you uh you have a minimum run of Hundred fifty thousand, so it's like oh, wow. wow. Yeah, so you yeah. had to take a punt on a hundred and fifty thousand yeah. cans of yeah. Tenzing, which I thought I was going to sell a million in first in the year one. Bold. <laughs> Imagine if it just doesn't take off. At least you're always <laughs> True. And yeah. I sold hundred thousand. So you know, ten percent of the okay. initial. Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, and actually, most of that was through Google. 
Interesting. Because okay. people have a free issue site, of course. Right. Yeah. Everyone and there's fifteen thousand people that work there. Wow. So and I but they paid they paid they bought it from me. So I think a big chunk of that business. That's why I always say, God, if I only done more of that pre work, I could have done that. I could have done ten offices. 10 well, yeah. Offices. But like, yeah. So that was a big mistake. Um, but so you know, capital. Yeah. So that a lot goes in there. And I so I remember I did I did this talk at BBC right when I just started, and I got because you, you get that question quite a lot. I was like, oh, so you used to be in marketing, and now you have to do finance, operations, uh, whatever, like product development, whatever, everything, design. And so what do you think is the most difficult? And I said, marketing. Because the marketing bit, if I was used to having millions of budget, mm. and now you have nothing, how do you make something out of nothing? That is essentially yeah, what you're that's doing. That's a million dollar question. So that is, and that is thing. just, and, it, and so I did also actually th thinking, I spent too much time in the beginning of creating an Instagram account and, uh, no one was there. Like, mm. I think in the beginning, what we did really well, and we should have only done. I wish I wish should have just. Um, we actually, we had the handle Tenzing on Instagram, um, but we should have just said, which I did on Twitter and all the other things. Like, we're building the business now. We'll be back when we're like when we can breathe again. Yeah, because in the beginning, it's just like getting listings and sampling. Mm. So just a lot of sampling. We go to Whole Foods, Planet Organic, with sample there. You know. So how does how does that process work? Sampling for someone who maybe isn't familiar. With well, you just industry. stand in the. That's why I, I just spend most of my time. You stand in Whole Foods. Okay, so it's not say, getting permission to get a spot. Then essentially, it's, yeah, it's. It depends. So you sometimes you have to get permission. Yeah. Other times you don't. So just moving. We had a little table you could walk around with. You know, get you know walk in, sample. Yeah. Walk out. Yeah. Just try and sell on the spot. Yeah, of course. You know, go. Hey, I just started this business. Did yeah. you like it? It's like use that use that element of I've just given you something. So now you please buy a can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you find the exact right moment, they nearly always do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, you know, because it is a nice product, people is like came back to it. You know, and I think that is also, to be honest, I, you know, we, I think, you know, in the beginning, it's all about the product. Mm. Still is, to be honest. But, you know, so many people, you know, you know what the worst, I always, I haven't spoken that below, but you know what the worst piece of content on YouTube is? Uh, Simon Sinek, but start with why. You think that's the worst piece? It's the why, worst why, piece. Why? That's my because that's, that's my brother's that's, favorite yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, you can let that go now. Wow. <laughs> you heard it here first. That's, yeah. that's not that. Okay. This is the biggest YouTube beef since Jake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that guy sucks. I mean, wow. I mean, I'm interested to know why you, why you think that. Yeah. Because, I mean, a lot of people would. Disagree. Let's get into so, I mean, the beef. Yeah, very interested yeah. to hear that. So, um, I always think when you listen, to, first of all, no, but I'm going to too much detail. Anyway. But look, that there is an extra thing behind your brand, you know, you know, for instance, for us that we said we're from nature and we want to give back to nature is a driving force for me to keep going. Is it like, I think one of his quotes, people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. I'm, I wouldn't be sure. I don't that's know. I've seen that some, is, I've seen, that is, I've seen some of his yeah, content, yeah. but I'm you assuming as a fan is, should know. Oh no, no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I've, I've seen a couple <laughs> of his videos, and I think it was pretty cool. But I'm not like my my brother's a really big fan of his, but I don't okay. know much about him. No, but it's a, it, basically what I don't think is good is that it's just it's just not true, right? So like if you think about it, he uses the Apple example, people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And Apple was like their why was they wanted to change the world. You know, they want to like, you know, think different, change the world. But that's not how they started, right? They started because Steve Wozniak was this massive computer nerd, mm. built the best computer. And 
Steve Jobs was this great like kind of marketing sales guy, and they packaged it up really nicely and sold their first computer. So the first thing they did, there was no such thing as a little small computer at the mm. time. You had to build them up yourself. So they were like a couple of guys in Garrett trying to build the best computer there. They didn't start with why. They didn't go, God, we want to change the world. Yeah. What do we do? Self-help books. Mm. Yeah. Uh, you know, festival no, oh, let's do computers. Mm. They didn't start with why. And I know maybe he doesn't mean it that way, but I think what's interesting is that a lot of entrepreneurs start with why. So I've had people I do a talk and be like, oh, I found my why. That must have been so much. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna, that's why I started moaning because a lot of people are coming to me with that. And yeah. So my why is, so there's a lot of people now and it's Brexit and people are like, you know, we have to get together more. And, and my why is I want to bring people together. And I'm like, okay, what's the product? Oh, I'm not sure yet. But I'm, thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking about a cookie. <laughs> Literal conversations. Yeah. Wow. Okay. It's yeah. got a logo. It's like a heart shaped <laughs> cookie. I'm like, you know, so I think having a purpose behind it, it's, it's mainly in the beginning to keep yourself going. But I think in the, why do people start drinking us? Because they need a bit of energy. Mm. Uh, they don't like maybe, you know, it looks a bit more natural, the packaging. They then pick it up and go, oh, this looks quite natural. They have a sip like yourself. Go, oh, this tastes great. You know, you know, you wouldn't have drank that because my my why. No. You know what I mean? So it's a, he's, he's just, and he's just taken a concept. Anyway, I don't want to. Okay. No, it's it's, it's interesting, to hear, <laughs> interesting to hear your point of view. And actually, to be honest, when you talk about it like that, I don't actually disagree because people buy the product. Yeah. I think ultimately, if you have a really good product that stands above the competition, it's people want Red Bull's an amazing it. example. Red Bull, when they started, it was like there was no such thing as a drink that gave you energy. Mm. So they didn't have any Formula One teams. They didn't have any extreme sports. It was a drink that gave you energy. And that alone built that. So in the beginning, you're, you always have to get your product amazingly straight and amazingly well. Mm. And, you know, and then you kind of, and it's good to have it intrinsically built in. Your kind of whatever you call it, why or purpose mm. or like the, the the bigger thing because it's uh, and so I'm actually so I probably have got one of the most you know purposeful brands at least on the on the on the energy shelf for mm. sure right you know we we carbon label or a B Corp so the but I I think it just starts you have to get the product right yeah you know? do, do you think there's an argument for um because I'm I'm really into that kind of stuff and I was actually about to say <clears throat> I like that you're a B Corp and I noticed that on the back of the on the back of the tin um or the with cam. Um, but do you think there's an argument from a marketing perspective to uh, market different parts of the brand to different people, i.e. to the people who you know are in sustainability, run some sort of campaign that emphasizes the fact that you're sustainable, to the people who just want an energy drink that doesn't have you know any crap in it, market it as an energy drink to those people? Or do you think it's more like we have a general sort of angle and we focus on that? Um, yeah, I, I think the latter is probably the best in the beginning. Um because you know you don't have the money yet to like you know look at those audiences mm. and find those audiences. Look, what what I believe in actually as well is like that kind of it's more you do that through the channel strategy. So like in our case, like you know Google was our way into offices, you know. So then people would drink it like as a you know office drink, mm. which was quite relevant for us because actually with Red Bull and Monster, I heard you know you know in the beginning people were like yeah I always have my Red Bull in a in a mug because I don't want to be seen with a Red Bull because people think I have a hangover mm, right. or, or like I don't want to be seen with a monster. So there's quite a bit of a shame actually around okay. energy drinks in the office space. So I didn't actually, know that. Yeah, so I can believe that. Yeah, yeah I can really, believe that. 
Yeah. So with us, I mean, not everyone, but a lot of people do. So, so with us, it's like you can be proud to be seen with this because it's B Corp. It's like you know. So there is this element that it all kind of w works together. Um, and we had another thing we did in climbing. So we, obviously we had like all our heritage in climbing. So we did it with a lot of bouldering uh, walls. So our first bouldering wall was, uh, you know, the climbing castle and north of uh, okay. London. Uh, it was all like a vegan cafe and a really cool climbing spot. That's where we uh, was one of our first places we launched. Oh, cool. And now we're in kind of 90% of the bouldering walls in the UK. And wow. And drink there. So Interesting. I think find those communities. I'm a big believer in that. Focus in a community and kind of make it big there touching on red bull briefly um my first thought when uh when i first read that you worked at red bull and then started this is that is there not some sort of competitor clause that you know you've worked at red bull you can't now go and start your own energy drink um it's 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 always like timed it's always a time right frame. yeah so I, I just make i made sure that i was outside the time okay yeah. okay um were there any funny looks from people when you did start like people that you used uh, to work with what was the general kind of attitude i i was I, I think there's three f phases that every kind of do you call the incumbent? Is that is that the one that's already in the market? Is yes. that the word? Yeah, yeah, current yeah. incumbents, yeah. Um go through and first is like awareness. So people are just so focused on their own business they don't even see other like people disrupting their business. Mm. Then it goes into like um uh arrogance. Ah, that's never gonna work. I know I know a guy at Audi. And he was like, when they, Tesla came along in the beginning, all the Audi guys were doing is looking at the BMW people and the BMW people look at the Audi people. And they were like, disregard, that's never going to work. And then it ends with anger. So you go like, you know, the best example of that was um, uh, when Uber was in Paris and all the, you know, the, the taxi drivers started protesting. Remember, they, yeah. pro they stopped the whole Champs-Élysées and they stopped the Arc de Triomphe. Yeah. And they blocked the whole, whole Paris, all the taxi drivers and, you know, Uber grew massively that day because mm. all the Parisians were like, why are they blocking all the roads? Yeah, well, they're crap. blocking this road because there's a cheaper option out there. Amazing. The best free press. Yeah, 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 exactly. yeah, yeah. marketing. So, you know, and I think that's, and I, you know, I don't know. I think, so there's very long there's been, I think, you know, because ah, there's so many people have tried and, mm -hmm. and still like we're still tiny compared to them, but we are growing like four times faster. You know? Yeah, so yeah I think, cool. um So I think that's, uh, that's the interesting bit. Um, I wanted to touch on, uh, you've, you've, I suppose you've already touched on it briefly, but how do you sort of set yourself apart from, you know, from your competitors in such a big space with such a relatively small budget to your competitors? You, as I say, you touched on it briefly with, you know, looking after communities and having certain sort of standards to your, to your product. But any other marketing strategies that you think have worked particularly well that, that people can take away? Well, I think I want to kind of expand on the community thing yeah. because if there's ever like, so again, that's why I think also with the, this last thing I'll say about it with the start with why, always look at who gives the advice, you know, and I think he was like an marketing or an advertising executive that came up with a great line. <laughs> Sorry. But, um, um, but has he like launched it? Like, so you should look, it has someone launched a business in yeah. the rough area. Like you don't listen to my advice either. I would say, cause I could, look, I could have done stuff that is not relevant to your business at all. Yeah. Uh, so I think you've really got to like nip, so if you listen to it, because as the as a starting startup founder kind of person, you are going to be listening. People are going to give you a lot of unwilling advice and you're going to be looking out for advice. 
everywhere. So that's what you've really got. So there's another rule, actually, that was really went viral in the beginning, the thousand people rule. Oh, the one? Kevin Kelly? Yeah, get your first thousand followers. A thousand true fans. And then you're, <clears throat> again, I I heard a lot, a lot of people saying this. I, di- I was diving into this. What's this thousand true fans thing? And that, that one, the guy himself said, look, what I did, he was in the music industry. And he said, if you've got thousand proper fans yeah. of your band, you could probably earn a living. Yeah. So you could probably, because okay. they would buy your albums, they would buy your, your merch, your merch tickets. and that would just be enough to earn a living. He didn't say that as a starting strategy. So he's just like, you know, so that's a, it was a very clever thing to say within the music industry if you just wanted to make just enough bucks to like earn a living. Yeah, yeah. So, but then that became a thing in the startup world. It's like first thousand fans. So I'm, I'm always wary if, if there's founders just banging out those. A tagline. Stars as well yeah, as yeah, thousand yeah. fans. Okay. So, um, and, but I think one rule that is totally true for every single business is, is start in a small community or in a small area. Because like, I would give me any company that is huge now that hasn't done that. So I, you can think of any like you know, Facebook, you know, one of the fastest scaling companies just started. You had to be on Harvard. Mm. You had to have a Harvard email. And he was like, if you see the early emails, even interviews with him, he goes, yeah, my team wants to go to Stanford, but I don't, I'm not sure. I want to like stay on Harvard because I want to make this experience more rich for the people here. Not that he was picky about Harvard people, mm. but he just wanted to make it more rich, better. And then, okay, well then after like a year, they went to Stanford or something, right? And then it was for a very long time, so you had to be a student. Right, you're only allowed with the student uh, email. You're only allowed on Facebook. So really small. Uh, I saw a presentation once from Deliveroo, the guy from Deliveroo. Yeah. He launched a one postcode and he did a really cool presentation with the guy who was investing as an investor, lived in the postcode next to, and he, he said he <laughs> wouldn't deliver it my post. No, because <laughs> I'm only doing this postcode because Deliveroo is very perfect like that. You can yeah. just go get all the restaurants, your postcode. Get, you know, he'd get on a bike himself and just deliver them. Wow. So, and then um, uh, Strava is also a great one. So Strava, you know Strava? Yeah. Uh, Strava is like an app where you can like manage your like cycling and running. Okay. Um, but essentially the technology you could do with any sport, right? Because it just measures how fast you go or you know, your heartbeat. But they only did cycling for about eight years. And they, their whole discussion was like, should we add running? Should, no, we're not going to, because we want to make the experience for the cyclists more rich. Mm. So I think you, every small business, every business started with a small community that mm. they could make super rich, super well. And then once you've nailed that, you go to your next one and your next one. So that's a real, yeah, that's a real gem. Because that goes back to what you said earlier about just going slow. Just go and slow. Ha- and having a really long timeline. Yeah, so because you never have the resources to, even now, I'm seven years in, I'm only like, only, you know, we're doing really well in London. Like, you know, we have about 30, 40% awareness in London. Nationally, that'd be like 15. And within London, we do really well within the climbing community, mm. you know? So, and again, I've launched in Holland now, which is going reasonably well. And especially in the climbing in, in Holland, because those climbers will follow a couple of our climbers that we kind of have athletes in, or they would have been climbing in, in, in London, bouldering walls and, so, you know, just, and I actually think, you know, looking back, I maybe you shouldn't have done Holland yet. I should have just, just focused on London for a couple more years, right? So I think just like that urge of like wanting to expand because I got, and still do, but like you get like emails every week, like you want to launch in the Cayman Islands or in Finland or Nigeria because I'll, I'll import you. And then you go, oh, and then they'll, they'll say, oh, they're going to take 10,000 cans. He's like, but don't go down that route. Because I did a couple of times and I, 
always regretted it because okay now oh, we didn't sell it can we send them back you know whatever yeah so yeah just focus keep it small i saw in another interview you did um you said something that i thought i think is quite relevant now which is you said how obviously you started tending at 42 i believe and uh and you made a point about how nowadays with all the zucks and the uh and the sort of young ceos there is this kind of social pressure that you know if you're not a billionaire by 22 yeah you're kind of lagging and yeah. there's probably no point for you um and you made some interesting points about starting older, but I just thought that was really relevant because I think obviously at our age, we're sort of fully immersed in, in hustle culture and, you know, the age of Instagram where everyone's having a great life on the surface of it, yeah, yeah. which we all know isn't necessarily the case. Um, but could you maybe touch on that a little bit? Because I find that quite an interesting point. Yeah, so that was really cool because I, I remember in one of, uh, uh, read an article, again, it happened to be the Harvard Business Review about like, um, uh, huge piece of research, literally 50,000 people or something, and they checked founders and um, which were most successful. And the, and I always ask that, you know, when I go to speak to students, for instance, I say, what's the, what's the best age to launch your business? What's the most successful age? So they checked what's the most successful age to launch your business. So in other words, you know, at what age are you most successful? Yeah. And everyone always goes like 24, 25. And it's 42, which I happen to be exactly 42. Okay. Just um, skewed the numbers. Yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> what do you know? I started then. But that's the most started, the most successful. And that's the, the most started is 42. That's why the question is even better because right. you're like, what's the average age that people start the most companies? It's 42. Okay. And the most successful age, I think, is 45. Oh, really? Right. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Um, Colonel Sanders does skew that a little bit. To be yeah, honest well, with you. But I think it actually, I also, from my own experience, it makes so much sense because mm. I think you've still got all the energy you need, right? There's not like, obviously you can't be like maybe a pro footballer anymore, but at 42, you still got every energy you need for like at least, you know, the next 10, 15, 20 years. Mm. And you've got all the experience, mm. you know, so you got all the network, the contacts, the experience in your field. Um, so I think, yeah, it just, it actually makes a lot of sense. And also it, it takes the pressure off, I think is, is an important one. Like you don't have to, you know, I think, that's another also actually a, th a thing I, I think that all the successful founders have, have in common. It's not a recipe for success, but I think it's much more finding, you know, what you're good at than finding like a gap in the market. Mm. You know, if you think about like the Fever Tree guys, for instance, really interesting, right? One uh, was like a gin he was a CEO of a gin company, and the other was an advertising mm. guy who made, you know, whatever. I think he came up with three quarts of your drink as a tonic, so you might as well mix it with the best. And, you know, them together was perfect because the one guy knew everything about gin and mm. the other guy knew everything about how to launch a brand. Mm. You know, so that combo was perfect. perfect. You know, Zuckerberg was so young, so you get these because he was just like in this new world of. He was, but he was the best programmer that there yeah. had ever been, right? Like he was on Harvard. Like he dropped. He was like amazingly good. He didn't find a gap in the market unless well, he's even yeah. The social he created network. a new market. Well, he yeah, yeah. stole the idea. Yeah. Um, which was like you could even argue that. That now I'm going to be sound like a negative person. <laughs> yeah, but like the call is sending shots on everyone. Yeah, but but the fact <laughs> that you could you could argue the fact that he has no no problem with stealing ideas and launching them in a better way mm. is what he did his whole career. Yeah, right, yeah. and you could argue that's a very smart move. So he like you know then he saw shit Instagram, like, Instagram story, buy that, and then uh, the stories, everything, yeah, yeah. yeah. just like you know pick something up and better and do that well. So I think it's it you have to be really good at something. So that's why it also again if you're younger, 
you know, find something you love doing and hone in on that, hone in on that. Maybe you're not going to start a business. You know, who mm. cares? It's not like life's better if you start a business yeah. or anything. But if you do, then you're really good at something and then you've got a good shot of launching something that in the field that you're good at as opposed to, oh, I found this idea. I saw this thing in America and I'm going to launch it now. Yeah, those don't work as often, I think. Just because I'm conscious of time, um, I really wanted to get your opinion on this as a as a marketing expert because I'm really passionate about branding and marketing. And um and I think my question is, in the age of social media where content is king and everyone's making it, how do you stand out? Um, don't go on social media. <laughs> well, I, I, I was the part of my, my book I said is that it's called the social brand, but it's about being social as opposed to being on social media per se. It's like, so we, so for instance, we did a lot with running. So again, from a community perspective, we started with climbing. Then at one point we said, okay, let's add another community that we can, can we add value here? And I also, because again, I think also from an authentic perspective, I love running. So I, especially since I started my business, right? It's like a way to keep myself sane. So I used to, like we were just saying, I lived by the river, I'd run by the river. Mm. And uh, at one point I came home and I wrote, read an article that it said, um, it's actually sometimes you might as well not run in London because the pollution is so bad, so it negates all the positive effects of oh, running. Really? That's a terif- like, terrifying fact. I know. So, de- so, so depressing. <laughs> so uh, also me as a passionate runner doing that yeah. to keep physically sane and safe. Yeah. And then it was it was from Imperial College, that data. And then I reached out. And I said, look, you published it, but can we not do something more with it? And then we linked that data. So we built, a, built an app with their data and we linked it with Strava. Okay. So we said it was like the Tenzin Clean Air Tracker. It's still live. And it's like, you know, finding clean air to run in in the big smoke. Oh, wow. And that, so we did some, I mean, obviously it wasn't on social. We created our own app. It was voted best app of 2020 by Men's Health. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. Um, and that's like, that's a beautiful example of we, we love this running community. We are runners ourselves. What do we all hate? Running in pollution. Mm. Is it, it fits with our kind of ethos of, you know, fresh air and naturalness. And we created that for our runners. And then they will. So it's really cool as well in Strava. If, you, if you've downloaded the app, and then every time you run, it will say you're a Tenzing Clean Air score in the app. So the people that you follow, oh, you cool. will see Tenzing. So, you know, so then because they find it useful, uh, they then share about it as opposed mm. to us trying to, I think very people, that's why I said, don't, of course, I'd say very often people are too worried about creating something viral but it's yeah. so difficult like you know you can't and also I think in a culture where especially with short form content it's so more more snappy snappy yeah. and I think that uh, when there's the push to be viral and, and, and everyone has to make content all the time you do lose that authenticity because it's hard to you know you can't make an authentic piece of something all the time 24-7 no. you're going to have to compromise on something t- for that degree of output so, so I think finding an alternative angle I think is really yeah finding something that you actually do right so it's as opposed to creating a piece of content so mm-hmm. the other thing we did was really cool but totally spontaneous was in covid we were gonna with jumbling we're gonna go out and do a trek in everest we're gonna climb labuchi east with a whole group of you know people that wanted to join the in it's like 20 of us would go and the 20 people signed up for this it was like a paid trip with jumbling to go uh, climb yeah then covid broke out the trip was cancelled and i remember me and, and emily were like discussing this and it was like you know it's a depressed time because we're like oh is our business going to survive and but actually looking back it's a really creative time for us as well because we took we saw we thought okay what do we do and then we said maybe this group that went is willing to climb everest in their own home so they climb the whole height so we calculated how much steps they'd have to climb yeah and five embarked on the journey and one guy made it 
Oh wow! Know, okay. So he made like Everett say twenty four hours, like throwing up. It was like he was, a, it was like his proper athlete. Yeah, yeah. And he did so. He did Everest in his own home, and that made like the Washington Post, Time mm, Magazine, okay. Sky News. So it's like these real cool things that also kind of happen spontaneously sometimes, that that uh, then get the viral press or. Um, yeah. Just before we ask our last question, um, one more question I have to ask as a marketing guy. Do you have any references uh, for anyone who might want to, maybe they're a businessman and they want to you know, improve the marketing for their business or maybe they just want to learn more about marketing in general. Are there any sort of books or references or people or anything you'd recommend? Um, so of course my own book, yep. Social Brand. Not a lot of, but I think it's not a lot of people that wrote a book and then lo- launched a business. Yeah, so it's the other way around. No, but I think it's it's quite it's funny if it's quite it's I wrote it two thousand fourteen or something. But the whole principle actually of giving something it's all about the giving something real mm. and then letting that do the work as opposed to thinking of making something that goes viral. Mm. Um, but I. I don't know if you can learn a lot from it, but I just love the Shoe Dog book so much. I think it's probably one of my it's top three favorite. From someone who doesn't like reading, and I oh, absolutely yeah. love that book. Because I thought what was yeah. so cool about I think if you're an aspiring, and I really, obviously Nike is like you know, out there, but I think how he wrote that, I, it really related with me, as in like, God, it's tough. And it's like, he was mm-hmm. just, he was so honest. And also what I learned from that, actually, because he, one of the things, so you, you read it as well? It's been on my list. He's been nagging me for months. Yeah, That's why I've stayed silent. Read- I, know, I know I need to. <laughs> yeah. You do. Yeah, you've read it? Yeah, yeah, yeah because it. he's so honest as well. He like, is. You know, I yeah. cried at the end because it yeah, was yeah. with his kid, with yeah, his yeah, sons, yeah, yeah. and he neglected his children, yeah, yeah. basically mm-hmm. said. And so I would, would have done that without reading the book, but I read that right in the beginning. And I was like, one for me, it was like, you know, family always first, mm-hmm. team always first. So I think that's what I learned from that book is just like you have to like, you know, to build this business and then kind of not even have seen your sons. Like, mm. would that be that's mm. not worth it? And I think that whole kind of hustle culture, like working 70 hours, I don't think it's really I don't think it's true, to be honest. And I don't do that. Uh, you know, I just make sure I'm spending a lot of time with my family mm. um, because are you really effective or efficient if you work 15 hours a day yeah. or 16? No, I, I agree. Don't know. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. And it's such a, it's so nice to hear someone actually voice that. Yeah, so yeah definitely. completely agree. It's not, it's not spoken about enough. Completely. Yeah. And there's not enough people speaking about it. No. Um, it, it would be amazing to go for hours. And honestly, we'll have to have you back on at some point because yeah. this is, this is a, really cool. A, cool. a yeah, yeah, yeah. conversation. Yeah, it was, it was. Um, just before we wrap up, we have one final question we ask all of our guests, um, which is, as you know, the point of this podcast is to ask successful people exactly how they did it. And we like to drill into the practical. Um, so if you could give one piece of advice for someone looking to start their own business or maybe someone who already has a business and they're looking to improve it one piece of advice that's actionable or practical could be marketing budget branding anything like that um what would you say um well i would just repeat two points actually i don't know it's one but like the, the one is just like validate just because the biggest uh things that go wrong it's not like, you know, you and your co-founder are not getting a budget. It's just like they say market product fit, right? Is your is your product really relevant and is it new, right? Because if it's, you know, relevant, but it's already been done five times, it's never going to work. If it's new but not relevant, then it's, it's, it's those two simple things. Is it relevant and is it new? Um, but you might think so. But che- and don't check with family and friends like I did. Check with someone who would actually buy your product. Check mm-hmm. with like a Google, and that's the cool thing. Like I said, that will actually help you buy it. And if they do find something that's interesting about it, it's an easier sell to them. So just go to market, uh, whatever product you have, because with every product, I think you can make kind of a, that minimum viable product. Yeah. It's not only in the digital world; it's also mm-hmm. kind of in every single. Uh, 
place, I think. So that Amazing. would be my main. It's a great piece of advice. Yeah, yeah Van Bockel, thank you thank so you. much for spending time with us. Yeah, uh, really the camera's cool. yours. Where can people find you or find Tenzing? Let them know. Um, yeah, or well, just like on Instagram at Tenzing or follow like, you know, my journey on LinkedIn. My, my my name is hard to pronounce, but it's the only one out there. So if you somehow, you know, publish it somewhere, then yeah. you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, yeah, the Amazing. Tenzing Natural Energy is our website, but yeah. Thank you so Thank much. You. And it really is a great product. I mean, as I said, I'd never tried one before and uh, and I really have enjoyed it. So Yeah, that's so. my first time trying it as well. It's delicious. It really yeah. is delicious. So cool. thank you. And we're not sponsored. I know. So <laughs> that's, it sounds that's like real. we are. Though. Yet. Not <laughs> yeah, yet. Exactly. Um, yeah. No, honestly, such a pleasure. Thank you so much cool. for coming on. Uh, guys, what an amazing conversation. Um, so many gems. Uh, if you enjoyed it, make sure to rate five stars on whatever audio platform you're listening on. Um, and obviously, if you're watching on YouTube, then subscribe. Turn on post notifications. We've got plenty of interesting conversations coming uh, and a huge thank you to, to Herb for coming along today and uh, we'll see you in the next one. Take care. Thanks a lot. Cool. Thank you.